0: And welcome to another episode of the meta portal podcast um, i'm ag and as always i'm joined here by uh, my co-methodologist and a good friend dark forest capital and uh, today we also have uh, mason from masari joining us to talk about kind of all things metaverse uh, a little bit of macro a little bit of token specific and uh you're really excited for this conversation mason thanks for joining us how how are you doing man doing well thanks ag thanks dark force happy to uh, be on the pod and uh, get to chat more crypto awesome so obviously i think for those people who have followed kind of the, the metaverse index and what we've been up up to they're probably familiar with your background to to some extent but or maybe new, new listeners or um, some other folks who are not, um, would you mind just doing a quick intro and uh, just talking about what, what you do and uh, yeah, how you got uh, involved with the with the Metaverse Index and, and the space in general?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So uh, like uh, you said, my
1: name is Mason Nystrom. I work for Masari. Masari is a uh, crypto asset data and research provider. You can kind of think of us as like the Bloomberg for crypto. And my four-way into uh, the crypto ecosystem started in 2017 where I was doing my uh, MBA in Hong Kong and started working for a local cryptocurrency exchange out there. Fell in love with the space during the 2017 run-up. Uh, and then in 2018, decided that you know I wanted to commit a, a significant portion of my life to uh, this mission. And uh, subsequently came back to the stage, joined Consensus as a part of their marketing team, helped out with uh, portfolio strategy Uh, for some of our different uh, portfolio companies, as well as uh, consensus overall, and then uh, finally made my way to Masari uh, a little over a year ago, where I now uh, sit as a research analyst covering Web3, NFTs, and some other emerging trends uh, like social tokens, uh, which kind of all inevitably lead into the metaverse as kind of these uh, foundational building blocks uh, that make up what that is. uh, as someone who was initially interested in kind of like virtual worlds and then that kind of forward into like the overall metaverse, um, was, uh, eager to learn more about the metaverse index. And, uh, that's how I got connected to both of you.
0: Yeah. Um, awesome. So why don't we just do like a little bit of definitions, um, upfront, I think metaverse is obviously like a, a big one, um, can mean a lot of different things to people as well as I think, web three. So I think I'll just uh, give, I guess, our definition of uh, the metaverse, which in simple words, it's basically kind of the virtual world that um, has its own kind of financial and economic systems, has uh, its own identity, sense of kind of ownership and self sovereignty, right? So it doesn't, it's not just the fact that it's virtual um, and it's not just the fact that there is kind of tokens and, and financial instruments but it's basically the way Dark Forest likes to put it is it's basically like a replication of the real world um, in the virtual environment as like a layer on top of the real world that over time sort of becomes indistinguishable in from from kind of reality. Would you mind, like, do you agree with that, I guess? And um, if not, can you kind of give your own definition and then maybe cover how you think about Web3 or, or, or what that encompasses?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mostly agree with your uh, the, the definition you guys have kind of laid out. I think to me, the most critical aspects right, are the, the shared space, uh, whether that's a combination of physical reality, uh like augmented reality virtual reality and you know what we call the internet today Uh, and then also agency and that by that i mean the ability to kind of really truly own and control what you're doing because uh while a lot of us can kind of control what we do on the internet to a degree like you don't necessarily own uh or have ultimate control where like your data ends up or where uh you know your information is stored or how your content is shared and so I think that those two points really highlight how the metaverse, uh, the, the the value proposition that the metaverse will kind of offer. And then as far as web three goes, I kind of just uh, end up defining it as a, a re-architecture of the existing internet stack, all the way from your internet service provider to you know Spotify, like the consumer application you use on a daily basis and uh, taking those existing middleman and uh, infrastructure providers and just making them more efficient and more user-owned.
0: Yeah, great, great. All right. So now that we sort of got that out of the way, um, let's talk a little bit on kind of on the macro level. Um, where where do you think we are, kind of in in the cycle, um, specifically a, as it relates to kind of metaverse assets? Um, and you know, maybe we can we can do we can go really broad first, and then. If if you think that we're in different parts of the cycle for some of the uh, subsectors within metaverse, whether it's uh, you know marketplaces or virtual worlds or NFT games or whatnot, we can we can sort of dig into that a little bit. But um, what's your take on kind of the the overall the broad macro? Yeah, overall, I would say uh, crypto has these like historical cycles
1: where it goes through like mass speculation. And then kind of has like a little trough, uh, and then ends up being useful. And so I would say uh, the metaverse as as a category is overall in that that first infancy phase of how do we speculate on it? Uh, And we've seen that as like you know kind of the four way of every cycle in crypto. And so uh, within you know what verticals you might consider as part of the metaverse, like NFTs have kind of gone through that first initial speculative bubble, if you will, with uh, crypto art and trading cards and collectibles kind of being the first example of, I would say, like not mainstream adoption, but wider consumer adoption. Whereas you have other types of uh, vertical protocols, like say NFT financialization that are really in their speculative phase. And so that could include uh, anything from uh, NFT marketplaces to, uh, you know, Niftex to other protocols that are trying to fractionalize uh, and speculate on NFTs.
0: How, how do you think uh, about kind of metaverse uh, relative to DeFi in terms of uh, adoption? I guess because um, the way I always thought about like Ethereum, right, was like, okay, Ethereum is literally like a cycle behind Bitcoin when it comes to. Uh, usage and, and adoption and, and and price action, just given like the difference in when when they were founded, and it's kind of like with DeFi, right? It's almost like DeFi is a cycle behind Ethereum, um, and at, like in my mind, the Metaverse and NFTs are almost like a half a cycle behind DeFi, right? And, and that's kind of in terms of adoption, risk, um kind of all, all of those things is that kind of how you look at it or do you have a different view yeah that's a good
1: question i i definitely view everything being like uh, a cycle behind as each new emerging trend so I, I definitely agree with you there um i think where you look at uh the metaverse i would say half a cycle to a full cycle i would say a full cycle might be more accurate in my opinion just because you have so much infrastructure that is still being built out. Uh, you still have a lot of um, development that needs to occur. So, like, I mean, Axie Infinity just moved on to Ronin. Uh, you have the Sandbox, which is kind of uh, yet to release their their full uh, game. And so I think that once you get the, the release uh, of a lot of those kind of hallmark, uh, you know, infrastructure providers, but also just, Uh, more concrete adoption in terms of like what's going to happen on the Layer 2 side, uh, what's going to happen on like the interoperability side, then that's really going to unlock the potential uh, in the next cycle for the metaverse.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point in terms of like when we think about adoption or infrastructure of of these projects, uh, quite often there isn't really, like it's not quite there yet, right? And that reflects in 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 the price volatility, uh, for example, just because like there is, it's all basically hype. It's all speculation on the future utility or or future adoption um, without like any data or stats or anything that we can look at, which we do have now with DeFi, for example, where we can look at actual activity on, on those apps.
1: Absolutely. And I think if you kind of take that point more broadly, you have all that data that you can use to say, okay, this DeFi protocol, whether it's Uniswap or Maker, like theoretically, can grow into this uh, multi-billion-dollar valuation, or maybe it's worth that today, depending on you know how you, how you view the world manifesting in the future. Most, I would say, uh, metaverse projects, whether that includes uh, an individual NFT or like an NFT protocol or marketplace, are trading at a, a value above maybe like their current par and it's definitely a valuation that it probably has to appreciate into in the future. And so uh, in a way, the the lack of robust uh, metaverse type protocols and projects kind of uh, puts a premium on a lot of them today.
2: So this might be complete hopium here, Mason, but I want to go <laughs> even broader still and just ask you, so there's been mention, um, obvi- obviously from Suju about like the super cycle and I personally believe that like things will play out a little bit different this time mainly because i'm obviously bag holding everything under the sun but what the way that i look at it is i look at the price chart and i see that the cycles that have gone before and it just seems like each one of those we kind of get like a new pile of people being piped in purely through as you've both said speculation but it feels to me this time like with defi and now with NFTs and the metaverse, we're opening up new pipelines for people to find their way into crypto that kind of fill those normal um, slumps that we see in price. And and it feels like we won't get that again, To certainly not to the extent that we've seen before, because new people are just being onboarded through so many different ways all the time. So I just wondered if, if you tend to agree with that view or if you see it slightly differently.
1: Yeah, I think that, the NFT cycle was really fascinating in terms of like, it brought a entire like new type of individual into crypto that maybe had not been uh, even exposed to it before. And so whatever the, the next kind of cycle brings, if it's able to, you know, introduce a million people into crypto, then that will be incredibly powerful. And, you know, but if you look at that today, there are very few games um, or like NFT projects that you that you would say specifically that have that potential right now. You might say, you know, Axie could be one, NBA Top Shot could be another, but, you know, it's probably only like a dozen at most. And so I think one thing that will really help in the next cycle is once there's more clarity on like the L1, L2 infrastructure, because so much of it is actually like a tech issue um, in terms of like, oh, we just can't, you know, build games the way we want to on blockchains right now. Um, so I think that once that is more has more clarity, it will really introduce um, a, a whole uh, into into crypto who might not even care about DeFi or Bitcoin or Ethereum.
2: Okay. Yeah, my bags are feeling kind of comfortable after that. <laughs> Thank you. Basically. If you if
0: you did if you need some more hopium, just let me know.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll hand you back to, to AG for the time being.
0: Yeah, I think we can we can definitely try to err on the on the hopium side uh for for this episode. Um so yeah, another thing I want to talk about is like how how correlated the metaverse space is or should be to kind of broader economic macro right and i think for uh, like at, at this particular point in time it's obviously we're saying that they're not like a lot of the products are not live yet right so it's all sort of speculation which means that it will be dependent on the kind of the macro perception around risk assets and and monetary policy and and so on. So that that will certainly affect token prices. But if we look at, for example, Axie, right, um, you could make a case that. It shouldn't really be correlated that much with with macro. Maybe the token price will be to some point, just to some extent, but that there shouldn't be that much correlation with with kind of what's actually going on in in the real world how yeah how do you see that how do you think about it uh today and maybe a little bit further out in the future
1: yeah i mean i would say in like the next 12 to 24 months the metaverse uh like is going to be probably uh still speculative until we get some sort of like mainstream uh mainstream application or just uh, more robust infrastructure and so like it's going to be very correlated to crypto itself and to Bitcoin so like I don't expect that to go away um, as far as correlation to like the broader market I would see it being less correlated uh, with the exception of you know kind of like black swan events that, that take everything uh, all correlation to one because like if the overall market suffers then that tends to uh, you know a similar negative situation for Bitcoin Ethereum and Uh, you know, tokens all the way down.
0: But there's like uh, an interesting dynamic, right? So if if there is kind of a a, a broader uh, macroeconomic slowdown, right? Um, And specifically talking about like play to earn here, right? Like play to earn, you can almost look at it as like an alternative economic system, right? So you could actually see a situation where the real world economy slows down but the play to earn economy like doesn't right just because the the amount of growth uh that is available like potential growth that can that can come into the play to earn economy is just massive right so to me that's like that that would be interesting i think obviously play to earn economy as a whole is not is not quite there yet right but once it reaches some sort of scale, it's that relationship between the real economy and play-to-earn economy that's like quite fascinating to me.
1: Absolutely. No, I think play to earn is going to be a, a transformative business model for not only like the businesses that that utilize them, but for the you know creators or individuals that join those ecosystems. And I mean one kind of like final note is it'll be interesting to see Uh, how Matthew Ball's new metaverse ETF does and compare that to the correlation of, you know, the metaverse index and, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum as a whole, because like his ETF is specifically designed, you know, to encompass what he uses the metaverse. And so I think it'll be a a good potential correlation to uh, maybe like traditional equities, metaverse uh, appreciation and, and maybe, uh, you know, the differentiation in, in crypto.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. I haven't I haven't thought about it um, much, but when I had a brief look at the composition of that, like there's quite a lot of um, semiconductors, right? There's Roblox, Epic Games, and so on. It's interesting, right? Because when we look at Roblox, like, the company has been losing money for forever. Uh, so um, it's it's of every (laughs) every recent ipo yeah uh but that that's fascinating to me right because you can have like a a fundamental shift to the metaverse but it'll be interesting to see if some of these companies actually financially uh benefit from it and and then and then there's like a obviously the massive question in in the equity market of like if rates go up, what happens to these kind of money losing, right? Companies, money losing stocks that have rallied quite a bit um, on kind of these thematic uh, momentum trends. So, yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to watch and uh, then we can start running some correlations. Um, between between that and, and the MVI. Um, cool, let, let's chat about kind of what, yeah, let, let, let me ask you this. What's your kind of view, like a long-term view on the metaverse? You know, is it, yeah, is it like more dystopian or more utopian And and then regardless of like, whether it's dystopian or utopian, do you think it's basically like more or less inevitable? Or do you think that there are some things that can slow this sort of human migration to the metaverse in a way?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that it will be both utopian and dystopian at the same time. And like kind of the analogy I would draw is that like the internet I would describe as like fairly utopian on certain platforms today, like whether it's like Facebook or Twitter, like, like everyone is very much in the same uh, mindset, in the same world, uh, versus you do have like more dystopian applications like Reddit might be a good example, um, or even 4chan uh, would be like kind of the ultimate like dystopian example. And so I think that the metaverse is gonna have a similar spectrum of like the the areas that are kid friendly and where everyone kind of hangs out I think most of the day or where you, you know, however you view like the future of work playing out in the metaverse, like that will all be very utopian, but you will have the the dystopian areas at the fringe. Um, And that said, like to answer your second question on do I think it's inevitable, I I would say yes. Um, I think it's inevitable. The the biggest caveats would be it it takes a longer time span than uh, people anticipate, or uh, the only, I would say other barrier could be on the regulatory side. Um, just because of, like historically, like regulation has the power to really stall innovation.
2: Yeah, I've got a, a quick one on that there, Mason. So it sounds like to me that it's actually your definitions of utopian and dystopian are, are different from mine. So your mention of the um, like the platforms where we all hang out, I see that as kind of dystopian because we have these huge corporate entities that are in control of, Data. Um, they're actually like gamifying these platforms so that you, you know, you spend more screen time um, looking at them. You know, they're trying to get you to release dopamine and just keep scrolling. So, I actually think that having these, uh, yes, yeah, like centralized entities in control of stuff is is kind of dystopian. And if, if we ended up in that scenario, it's a bit like the Ready Player One story, I guess, where um, Oasis is controlled by. Uh, a big corporation that for me is is not somewhere that we want to end up really
1: no that's a great point and i guess like d- it does really depend on how you view like a dystopian like world versus a utopian one and like arguably like using that definition like i don't know if we ever get to like a full utopian world regardless of like uh you know what whatever like protocols end up emerging like there's always going to be some sort of like fight for control element of chaos Um, and so like maybe like we don't ever get there fully but uh, I would argue uh, along with you that the metaverse will be more utopian than uh, perhaps the internet is today.
2: Yeah I'd hope so I think we're seeing some green shoots of it already with uh, projects like Axie Infinity where their aim is to decentralize the ownership of that game into the future And we're a long way from it, but in terms of like interoperability between these different um, platforms that exist today, ideally we would want to see all of that running on something credibly neutral, whether it's Ethereum, whether it's something different in the future uh, that can actually like handle all of the stuff that's gonna take place. Um, Yeah, I think that is one way that hopefully we can avoid that where, you know, it's not, there isn't one entity behind everything like we're, we're not running it all on amazon web servers it, it's on a possibly running on a network that allows free transmission of value and information and data and self-custody of all of that stuff as well
1: yeah no i, I completely and wholeheartedly agree with uh that mission and I, I you know also hope that that ends up being the the end case that that plays out
2: yeah awesome okay i think um in, in that case then like, what, what do you think we need to do to, like, get to that point? I think, obviously, we're looking maybe two to five years in the future. But what, what needs to happen to help us, like, head in that direction, do you think? I think a lot of stuff has to
1: happen. Honestly, I think that uh, the tech has to get better if we're talking about, you know, these systems running on permissionless blockchains. I think, uh, you know, right now, the smart contract wars are fairly... Um, You know, I think they're about to really heat up in terms of like you have a handful of interesting competitors and how the metaverse like proliferates on each of those different blockchain networks and interconnects is still really uncertain. Um, Additionally, like there's a lot of different primitives that need to kind of be fully developed, including like NFTs, whether like you want the ERC 721 standard or the 1155 standard uh, or a new standard that ends up like being able to pass royalties natively. So I think that like all that type of infrastructure still needs to become uh, more clear and developed. And then we also just need a a better UX perspective for users in terms of them being able to, you know, custody their assets on board and, uh, you know, just use applications on a daily basis. So I think all of that still needs to be built out before we really um, get to the potential of what the metaverse can
0: offer. But that's uh, that's sort of just technology being built out, right? Like, I I don't quite see any like insurmountable issues there. I think with uh, UX and and UIs in general, like crypto as a whole has has a problem with us, right? And uh, we've I think we we've seen like some of the benefits from PayPal and Robinhood and Square integrating crypto, right, and and making kind of the that ability to buy crypto uh, more user friendly, and I think it'll extend to sort of ability to interact with DeFi. Um, there was a recent um, article that's written by um, Three Body Capital uh, um, that was talking about like fintechs, right, aren't really disrupting financial services just because they run on financial on traditional financial services rails, but, but they do have pre UIs. So if we can have FinTechs actually tap into uh DeFi, right. And bring that like awesome user experience, um, on top of DeFi rails like that, that, that would be quite, quite huge. Yeah. So I guess what, what I'm trying to say is, um, it sounds, it sounds to me like it's really just kind of a matter of time until, we, we solve some of those issues, uh, that you mentioned.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it is just a time component. And from there, it's just whether you think that, that, that takes, you know, 12 months, 24 months or, uh, you know, four years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we probably, I don't know. I think so far we've underestimated how quick stuff develops. Um, I think DeFi sort of took a couple of years to, to get to get some adoption but then it's kind of once we got to a certain point it just cascaded from there um, and and it's been just non-stop kind of innovation since uh, I don't know for the last year or so um, probably probably see something similar in, um, in the metaverse space
1: oh absolutely yeah I think that you're going to see you're going to see a lot of Uh, innovation in the metaverse space once, because once compound really released their token and built out that, Hey, this is what you can do with liquidity mining This is how you can bootstrap a protocol. It kind of just became par for the course uh, and enabled a lot of teams to go to market a lot faster, leverage other protocols, leverage the, you know, liquidity across Ethereum. So I think that there will be similar, uh, similar network effects uh, that happen within the metaverse and whether that's like NFTs or you know a Web three infrastructure provider or some other application, I think it will will have some similar type of adoption like that.
0: Yeah, I think also it just reminds me of you know when we look at a lot of these metaverse tokens now, um, like they're just so early in terms of like there's very little thought given to the token economics or like the token design. Um, for for a lot of projects like there is literally no liquidity um, so these these teams are sort of not thinking about that yet because they're focusing on actually building either the initial product or just iterating on the product itself um, and then I think a lot of uh, protocols in the space don't even have a token yet so I think there's gonna be some kind of serious unlocks over the next uh, probably say 12 to 18 months where we start to see that happening.
1: Absolutely. I think you are you kind of hit the nail on the head with a lot of these. I mean, because when Compound launched their token, they had the benefit of having an operational protocol for like a year, year and a half. And so a lot of, I would say, uh, you know, projects in the metaverse space, whether it's like NFT sector, haven't had that luxury because like the NFT bubble came and it was like, okay, we need to launch now. We need to get some sort of alpha up um and so it's been much a much like faster timeline in terms of what these teams have been trying to accomplish Um, and then to your point on the the amount of like upcoming uh launches and and new tokens that are going to come into the marketplace it's going to be uh you know a a lot of them because even protocols that have already kind of four uh forewarned that they'll have tokens you have you know upshot which is an nft appraisal protocol you have gods and chain which is launching the gods token immutable x is going to launch their platform um and then you have a bunch of nft marketplaces that uh could potentially launch a token in the future
0: yeah yeah so that's going to be exciting to see hopefully that's like a DeFi summer but in the in the metaverse space um let, let's let's have a quick chat about Regulation. Um, since you know, we we sort of agreed that we do need to solve a few things, but they're mostly on a on the technology side of things. And uh, I think that perhaps regulation is is one one area where uh, we could run into kind of trouble, uh, depending on you know the approach of um, of regulators or, around the world. How yeah? So how do you think about regulation? in the space right and and how like i would say that regulators have been quite far behind the curve on regulating crypto right and and then how do we even get them to think about regulating like rarible or like nft marketplace or like decentral games for example um it just feels to me that it could take like a decade for them to get to this point (laughs) yeah i think that that's kind of the the fear that it does take a long time
1: to get any common sense or clear regulation. Um obviously like Bitcoin and Ethereum have gotten some clarity, but even then like launching ETFs and other like financial products has been like very time consuming and there's been a lot of regulatory barriers to to doing that. I think that you know we don't even have clear regulations on like what is a securities offering in crypto and that like on its own could be like a kind of nail in the head to any uh not fully decentralized protocol. And then as far as like, how does that regulation play out into the metaverse? I think that the first, the the first I'd say uh, battle in the regulatory side is going to be in terms of intellectual property. Uh, a lot of the NFT marketplaces, whether it's Rarible, OpenSea, um, you know, super rare have all had to decide how they want to tackle IP. Most of them just kind of delist anything that, uh, they find out is either stolen IP or IP that has been listed uh, in a, you know, malicious effort, and that, like on its own, is, um, you know, a really interesting question because I think IP is going to be one of the most important aspects when it comes to the metaverse and, and getting people to adopt some of these different protocols.
0: Is that um, is that similar in the Web three space that you cover? Like, uh, are there differences? in in the regulatory approach? Um are there differences in regulatory clarity and, and do you think like it just sounds to me like regulators have to catch up on like different areas, right? And some of them are more urgent than others, like D5 for example, given given the adoption. Um yeah, do you see kind of Web3 um in a similar category as, as metaverse when it comes to this, um, or, you know, is it going to come sooner kind of, yeah. Are are there, are there any differences there?
1: Yeah. You know, I think that there, there are similarities in terms of, uh, like across both the metaverse and web three in terms of like, Oh, is this censorship resistant? Like who can control, uh, the content that's on this platform? Um, you know, like file storage protocols, uh, are, Interesting because like you can uh, host a bunch of uh, illicit material uh, in a like decentralized manner. um, And then you have to kind of get like node operators to like take that down. And so like that is like a contentious point of of regulation that is perhaps maybe different from the metaverse right now. But ultimately I think there's, they're going to have a lot of the same issues just because uh, so much of like Web three infrastructure, whether it's like IoT or whether it's uh, geolocation, like that's all going to be incorporated in the metaverse in some context. And so, like it will, uh, you know, it might not be like the the primary battle the metaverse fights, but will be a, a regulatory concern in the, in the future.
2: Yeah, Mason, I just wanted to uh, like um, prod you a little bit on that and, and try and expand it. So I don't know if you're aware of Alatea, Um And what they're doing with these like uh, AI or INFTs as they call them, have you have you seen that project at all? They did the the world's first um, intelligent NFT auctioned it off at Sotheby's and it was that like a female yeah yeah. So we had a good chat with um, the the guy like the founder behind that and one of the interesting things he talked about was the fact that as they like do these gated releases and basically release this thing into the wild there's going to be a point that comes where somebody's going to do something with it that is probably not that nice or um yeah just like questionably yeah morally questionable or whatever and yeah I just wondered if you had any if you've seen any attempts at like trying to get ahead of this kind of stuff um I'm just thinking of all the things that you can kind of do in Decentraland and uh, the the virtual worlds and and nothing's really happened to this point that is questionable that that has caused a fuss but I just wondered if if anybody's thinking about this and the, if there are ways to sort of solve it
1: I w- I would say that there's there's not a a solution that can be kind of like a panacea for it all a lot of the teams have thought about this so like decentraland decentraland infamously like created a section of its Uh, Meta, like its virtual world, to be a red light district, and kind of for you know some of the more like adult content to exist that like would inevitably do would inevitably happen. Uh, Other teams have uh, decided to either create a like curator uh, type position in like their protocol or have their DAO and community members in charge of curation. Um, But I would say for the most part, a lot of these protocols haven't yet. Fully handed off uh, governance to the community and so it's really just in the hands of of the initial founding team, uh, which is kind of like one of the more, um, you know, potentially like uh, regulatory uh, negative situations because there is a team that could just like take down the content and then you can't really get into the uh, credibly neutral zone.
2: Right. That's very interesting. Um, First up, because I hadn't heard that there's a red light district in DCL. So if anybody's got the coordinates to that, feel free to drop them (laughs) at the end of the post when you see this or when you're listening to the podcast. Uh, And I'll go and check it out for research purposes, obviously. Um, Secondly, I'd say like talking about the community, that was kind of where we fell with Alatea was if you have a token and you can align people around it and their sort of mission and core values are all aligned, then actually you've, you've got yourself there a, a group of arbiters who can decide what goes and what doesn't. And um, you can maybe do some technical things like, like with the INFTs, you have to stake the token in order to start using the underlying tech. And then if you do something that is seen to be against like the community's um, code of conduct or whatever, whatever it might be, then you can slash that portion. So all of this stuff is just like fractals of the way that an ethereum or bitcoin network works in that incentives have to be aligned in order for it to work so i think if we end up going down that route that's probably quite a clever way to get around both the regulatory and the moral compass like aspects of it
1: absolutely and at a certain point the community is incentivized for good actors Um, if you look at like audius for example like you don't want people just like lifting Taylor Swift's music or, you know, your own music if you're an artist. And so, like, there's a natural uh, incentive to to punish bad actors and remove it, their content from whatever platform it is.
0: Mason, um, just to – it's it's a little bit – maybe a little bit off topic, but on, on the subject of uh, storage, right, like storage applications, do you – I guess one is, do we need to store everything on, on these decentralized uh, storage applications, like uh, Filecoin, Arweave, and, and so on SIA, or like, is that basically a requirement? Um, and like, and then secondary, are there points of vulnerability there? and And like, where, where are we in terms of decentralized storage? Like, Um, is it ready for, for mainstream? Is it, is it still, still have scaling issues? I think there's some overlap there with, with metaverse. Love to hear your thoughts. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that
1: storage is largely coming into like where it needs to be, um, in terms of like being ready for mainstream. I'd actually say the, the biggest, um, uh, you know, kind of what I've seen is the, the, the biggest challenge it kind of faces is just being more developer friendly and ensuring that like you can, uh, you know, deploy, you know, your application and host all that information uh, in a couple of clicks as you can in like the legacy world. Um, And so that, that kind of robust tooling doesn't exist yet just because so many of these, whether it's like SIA, RWE, Filecoin, like they've had to build out the entire protocol itself. And so like, that's just, you know, the more important prerogative at this moment. Um, I think it'll be interesting from a, like you, you ask if everything needs to be stored on these protocols. I think that there's going to be a spectrum of like what people want stored. So like if you're issuing a piece of art or a blog, like you might want that stored forever. And so you might be willing to pay a premium upfront on like, are we to perpetually store your information? Uh, But then you could might be a business and you're like, well, I just want this information stored. Like say it's tax returns. I want it stored for like the next seven years. And then like you can pay uh, you know, to do that in a, uh, in a decentralized fashion. So that like, maybe you don't have the custodial ownership of it. That is, you know, c- can be a liability, uh, as far as like other more complex content. I think that, um, it- it's undetermined whether like that needs to be hosted on, uh, you know, a decentralized file storage. But I think that ultimately a lot of these teams will want to do that, um, as long as it's it provides a seamless user experience.
0: Yeah, I, I think this specifically goes to kind of Axie Infinity, right, where they talk about, like, I think there is obviously the um, the goal to decentralize um, the ownership of the game and, and perhaps some, some parts of the game, but they don't necessarily care if, like if the infrastructure itself is decentralized right so it's kind of a a different slightly different approach to uh decentralization um there right i think uh it's going to be interesting to see kind of how uh how teams choose to go about decentralizing everything to decentralizing parts um, of the metaverse and I, i think Similar to kind of decentralization of blockchains, it's sort of going to be a, a spectrum. Absolutely, and the kind of
1: spectrum that exists there is well, you can pick, you know, AWS, your normal provider, or you can pick like kind of a hybrid model where like you're saying, hey, I still want my information stored on IPFS, but I'm going to use Pinata uh, because they offer like a more, you know, centralized approach. I pay them to store my data on IPFS. I don't have to rely on like the Filecoin network to store my data. It's just going to be on this. Uh, you know, middleman, and maybe that's enough for the type of like information that you want stored. It all really is going to depend on the application.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Cool. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about actually now before we jump into sort of talking about some individual projects, maybe your favorite tokens or whatnot. Is there anything that we sort of haven't covered on on the macro level, on kind of the big picture level of the metaverse that you excited about, or that you've kind of come across, and it captured your attention, imagination. Um, yeah, any anything we missed?
2: Um,
0: no, I think we've covered a lot of it. Uh, I, I think that like perhaps
1: um, I would love to know like what what vertical you guys are most interested when it comes to the metaverse.
0: Yeah, I think for for me personally, it's it's uh, not necessarily a vertical, right? It's just the, it's a play to earn movement. Um, I, I would call it a, a movement, not not necessarily a vertical. Uh, I just think the the socioeconomic implications um, of that are huge, right? Uh, before we even get to sort of um, the, the impact on business models, the impact on traditional uh, gaming companies and, and so on. So to me that, that is really fascinating and specifically like what's interesting is I really want to see um, projects that, you know, really capture that play to earn movement and also the token design of, of how they do it. Because I think you can, you can have a game that has play to earn characteristics but if the token of design is just is not there, then, you know, it's just not gonna have the same impact. So for me, like that's uh, that's really like that's really fascinating, and, and what like Axie and Yield Guild and um, Illuvium and and others are doing is uh, is really cool, and, uh, really cool to see.
2: Yeah, I think um, AG's chosen the the most fun one there. I think NFT games is like. We're all super bullish on that at the moment. For me, the next interesting phase is going to be this like future of work, um, like your Web3 wallet as your CV, like all of these kind of things. I'm really interested to see what Rabbit Hole evolves into. Um, at the moment, they're, they're just still like running through their quests one at a time. But when we get to a stage where, you know, a, a community can approach Rabbit Hole and say, that we're looking for people who are um, qualified governors who have maybe done some complicated stuff with options. Uh, you know, you can really tailor your request and Rabbit Hole will be able to point you at the direction of certain addresses and you can maybe airdrop your token to them to try and incentivize them into your community or um, I'm sure there's plenty of other things that, that people can do with it to try and like target people specifically that have done... Uh, you know, positive things in in the crypto space. So that kind of stuff, like seeing that start to pick up. We've got Arkex as well, who are looking at um, yield farmers and when whether they've behaved in ways that are supportive or detrimental to certain protocols. And then that's going to be like your passport to to yield farming at higher percentages, possibly in the future. So starting to tap into all of this data and uh, getting rid of like archaic ways of judging people's um like contributions and, and validity essentially like new ways of of proving what you've done and, and measuring that effect and rewarding it i think that's what i'm i'm really excited to see sort of develop from here
1: definitely no i think both those uh trends are very interesting um and kind of on the latter uh, dark force where you're talking about it, it, you're talking about like identity to a degree and i think it's going to be really interesting how that plays out i love the idea of of on-chain, uh, you know, curriculum vitae's, and uh, I'm. I think Nansen is already like can establish that to a degree because it can say, "Hey, you're a heavy Dex trader, you're uh, a punk owner, you're a you know, name whatever criteria." So I think that that's only going to get more robust from here.
2: Yeah, I think as with a lot of things, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, though. And in, in that, we're told to rotate our addresses and trying to obfuscate your identity. And yet, if you do that, are you going to hinder progress in future? I don't know. Like, We're going to have to see how that all sort of solves itself as well. Um, I guess you can sort of approach things with a couple of different addresses and still prove what you've been up to. Um, there's the off-chain stuff as well, like, like like GitHub commits on GitHub. And if you're active in discourse forums, you can turn like certain badges on. I think Maker do that quite well um so there are other ways but yes basically seeing that stuff start to augment cvs and applications is something that that's when you know the tide is starting to really shift
0: definitely yeah i think uh kind of the the future of work aspect um is is with with the metaverse is, is quite interesting and uh paul we we talked a little bit about it and um you were thinking about like you're obviously working on the piece um uh around that and it's one thing that you sent me sort of got me got me thinking about it quite a bit which was basically how the definition of work right is changing where until now we had someone a centralized entity determine how much like our work is worth and we are slowly shifting to like a community or a group of people or certain Actions that like and where a smart contract determines which actions uh, get compensated in what way. So uh, perhaps uh, you want to elaborate on that a little bit. But to me, like that shift from centrally uh, compensation and, and reward systems that are centrally decided to like this decentralized community based is is insane. It's fascinating.
2: Yeah, and. Um... Definitely keen to get your your thoughts after I sort of run a a little bit through it, Mason. But basically, in in trying to write this piece, I was starting to look at what jobs are available or what roles are available, where can you contribute within um, the metaverse and within like virtual environments at the moment. And it sort of all boiled down to um, stuff like uh, Decentral Games. You can go and work as a host in one of their casinos, or if you're selling like your art digitally on Rareable or OpenSea, then you're you're basically like a digital artist. Those things are both have analogies in the real world; they're, they're very easy to sort of understand. But then, if you're an Axie Infinity player or you're a DAO contributor, then those things, if you're trying to explain them to somebody who is outside of crypto, are much harder to get across. And it kind of sparked this idea in my head that there's there's almost like a a, a litmus test. A, and I I guess I'd call it like the parent test. If you can go to your parents and explain what you're doing in this virtual world quite simply, then it's probably something in the traditional world that already exists that's just being mirrored in a virtual space. If you try and explain to them that you're playing a game uh, through which you earn smooth love potions and you can use those to breed more axes and, or you can, you know, you start to fall down this rabbit hole and it blows your parents' mind, that's when you know you're kind of at the forefront of this, this new emerging um, definition of work effectively. And to me, that the clearest uh, like distinction between the two was how is value determined? And if you go and turn up for work at, for a certain amount of hours and your um, responsibilities are very explicit and clear, um, or you're trading your art for, for money, those things are really easy to define as, as work effectively, you've put time in and you've got money back. But then where does that value come from when a group of, or a community forms around a token or forms around an idea or a token within a game has utility and therefore like this social consensus arises around it having value. Uh, And so that's how I was starting to look at like the two different ways in which these are different and the way in which the future of work is different, and how that definition like changes because the the value for what you've done arises from a social consensus, effectively.
1: Definitely, no. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of different shifts in how we perceive uh, work and value, and so like that could be you know something like you said it's, it's a completely new type of role, whether that's like a DAO member uh, or it could be something like fairly simple uh, like a digital artist. And I think there's also going to be these. Positions that were uh, have an analog, uh, such as like uh, if you look at like an appraiser for a collectible or a piece of art, like those exist, um, but uh, you know might be limited to uh, a certain tier of people. Whether like you need a certification or license or whatever it will be, and that will not be the case in crypto. Like anyone will be able to partake in that type of work, and so. I think it's gonna be good from the context of like people aren't going to have to they're going to be able to find work in which they think they can provide value rather than you know kind of ending up in some job that uh, kind of just naturally fell along their life path. So I think it'll be good from that perspective. And then also the perspective of, you know, I think we we everyone understands the trend of like what the work you do in three hours can be as valuable as like 40 hours and you know what you do in like an hour could be also like not that valuable and so like the the discrepancy between uh effort in uh and value i think is also changing for the better and crypto will make that even more cognizant uh to people
2: yeah I definitely agree with you there. i think seeing the way that um dows tend to reward people is is not I don't think I've seen anywhere where it's actually Um, time-based tends to be like, well, if you look at something like coordinate, it's more, um, it's like totally socialized and totally subjective. So who have you worked with and and how have you felt they've impacted on what you're doing? So there's even, yeah, like you say, different ways of actually rewarding that as well as um, the the change in the nature of the work itself. Yeah. I'm excited for it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's been going all right for for me and AG as um, contributors to the index go up so far.
1: Yeah, you guys are you guys are living it. You're living at the edge. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I think like one of the one of the most interesting things is and, and another sort of thing that sparked all this off was when I try and explain to people what I do. One question I always get is, "Hang on, who pays you?" And then you have to like explain that we we kind of pay ourselves as a community. Um, and yeah, that, that like, you can see this whole thing happening like, right before our eyes where there's going to be this switch in understanding of what is valuable, how is uh, value determined and how do we reward that? Um, and this this whole new type of work is is going to be at the forefront of it all.
1: Yeah, and that point is kind of more broad throughout crypto. And just like, I think Gen Z really in- accomplishes this notion of value is changing. Um, and I think that the, like, Best example that I've come across is Fortnite skins and digital, you know, clothing, digital emotes in games. Um, whether it's like PUBG, Fortnite, like that is a multi-billion-dollar industry and one that uh, makes no sense from like a utility component because you can't jump fat, like you can't jump higher, you can't run faster. Like it's no in-game benefit. It is literally all just social status, and uh, that to me seems like something that could not have been like just understood uh even like a a decade and a half ago and so like that uh transformative shift in how we perceive value is i think
0: what crypto will amplify yeah i think uh i think the, the generational so for me it's really helpful to look at it from a generational perspective like what you said with gen z i think they're just like natively digital and they're they natively get what we're talking about right but if you think about if you think about millennials though right it's like it's the generation in the middle and and so to me it's really like we sort of i guess um kind of grew up and and went through kind of early 20s right in still old industrial system right and so we've, uh, we've got education in the old industrial system. We started working in, in, in the old industrial system still. And, um, and now we are like fully in the digital world, but very few of us actually have the necessary skills to properly live in the digital space. Right. And so we like, we straddling this like past and, and the future, and it's not intuitive to a lot of millennials. But like with Gen Z, that's like, uh, that's completely intuitive to them. So, um, and then also if you think about like the, the political and the regulatory landscape, right. And how that's mostly boomers and, and it's just like that generational flow, I guess, just permeates through this whole, this whole conversation. So that, that, that is also like extremely, extremely interesting.
1: Absolutely. I think that it's going to be really fascinating to see what type of applications Gen Z uh, first adopts from like a crypto perspective. Uh, I would say like the first one's obviously just like speculating like Robinhood, Um, but like what comes next, uh, whether they like find some sort of like social media or whether they like look at uh, NFTs for like status signaling is going to be really telling on, on where the future goes
0: yeah yeah absolutely cool um let's jump into talking about some individual tokens projects uh straight off the bat what's your what's your favorite project in in the metaverse space and there's obviously like a difference between a project and a token, so you know I won't let you off the hook talking about a project that doesn't have a token, so it has to have a token okay um I would say i'm
1: uh I get, like one of the, I think the core business models that crypto enables is marketplaces, whether that's like a marketplace uh, for money, for lending, for you name it. And so I think that those uh, are really powerful. And and I think that marketplaces are going to evolve beyond just like uh, a way to exchange goods. Uh, I think that they have the potential to evolve into social networks and to become much bigger. So from that context, uh, I mean, you really like the only tokenized uh, marketplace uh, to date is Rarible. so I'm a big fan of, of what they're building, what they're doing. Uh, on the protocol side, though, I do really like OpenSea, um, and I think that they're uh, just have a great team, and they've built a, a product that everyone everyone loves and uses.
0: Isn't uh, Axie Marketplace the the biggest marketplace in the in the metaverse space? Um, I hear they they have some cracking numbers.
1: They do. They do. Um, All-time volume, they actually might have just might have just beat Rareable. Let me check it out. Um, Yeah, so they, wait, that's that's twenty-four. Okay, so yeah, all-time volume, uh, Axie has passed Rareable. And but I think this and this is like kind of one of the broader trends is like will will Axie you know try to come out of their core competency and like offer non-Axie goods on their marketplace. Like my intuition is probably no. Um, if they did, that'd be super interesting. But like more broadly, like I, I think that we're looking for like the, the limited amount of NFTs that trade today are like collectibles, trading cards, um, domain names. Like it's a very small facet of what will eventually exist. And so I think just the, the total addressable market is going to be huge. Like when you talk about like how IP could move on to smart contracts, um, that gets really fascinating. And I think that, uh, an open permissionless marketplace will be kind of the, the de facto place where that will trade. Uh,
0: how, how do you see, so I, I, get the, I get the marketplace idea. Um, at the same time, I think that every, almost every project in the metaverse either has, or will have its own marketplace. Right. So agreed, like the. the the opportunity for primary sales on more generic marketplaces will still be limited to perhaps art collectibles and, 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 so on. But how do you see marketplaces evolving into other verticals? Like you said, potentially social networks or, or whatnot, like how, how, how does that happen?
1: Yeah. So I think the, the kind of like analog example is that, uh, you've had most uh, social media places and like the Web 2 era evolve into marketplaces because that was actually like a really efficient way to monetize. Um, versus, I think you could actually get the the opposite trend in terms of like you could have a marketplace and then you get all this community, all this this social engagement that that comes to that marketplace in crypto. And so whether that evolves is like you have, uh, you know, a, like standard style like chat. Uh, governance form, stuff like that, uh, or if it becomes like something new entirely uh, is still pretty TBD. It also, I think, will be telling because because if you look at uh, a lot of these marketplace protocols, like they people can build on top of them. And so what users build on top of them could end up being social platforms or new types of applications that just leverage the underlying issuance
0: protocol. Yeah. so, it sounds to me right like that it wouldn't be the like the crypto equivalent of facebook for example but it would be a bit more narrow um social network social protocol um relating to perhaps um, arts and and collectibles and and so on because if we're thinking about like there is you know if, if there is a, a Twitter and, and a Facebook of uh, of crypto, right, you would expect these different communities, whether, whether it's a, like NFT and collectibles community, to reside on that platform. Um, whereas what you're talking about to me sounds like a little bit more um, fracturing the social network space into a bunch of smaller, more, niche kind of social networks
1: yeah i think that that's definitely the way like they tend to start i mean you could you could call Axie a a social network in a way it's not like in the traditional sense of like it doesn't have like a a unique platform for just axie conversations but like when you combine like the discord the actual game um you know like other uh, areas of communication whether that's like twitter whatnot like you do have this like kind of uh fractured social network and so i think that like that will be the the first example in every uh kind of crypto project until there becomes a more unified uh, place to interact
0: and so for that I, I would agree with you on on sort of axie do you think we basically just missing like a crypto discord then to to sort of make that make the jump or, or do we need something, something different? That's a great question, and I really don't know the answer
1: because, it, it depends on whether you think that like the social networks that exist today will end up being the remaining uh, social networks that you know exist, but then just somehow integrate into crypto, or that you think that somehow we'll bootstrap uh, new social media type platforms. And the bigger question is like if you think that that happens. Like, are they going to look the same that they do today? Or are they going to be different? And I think there's a lot of uncertainty around that. You have like Showtime, which is trying to create like a a social media platform, but for like showing off NFTs right now, um, that's like an interesting first, I would say, stab at like what a crypto native social network would look like. But uh, BitClout might be another example, um, which kind of just like forked Twitter's UI uh, and then added a token, uh, but with some other like uh with with some other incentives and designs and so like you have kind of different models for what might become uh the go-to standard
0: yeah okay that's really interesting i think the you know whenever there is like a crypto social network that emerges i think everyone will just pile in in terms of capital right because it's just it's obvious that kind of the current social networks are broken in a way in terms of centralization control of the data constant leaks and and you know it can go on forever so it it just it makes so much sense um to decentralize that but like no one has cracked that yet and i think i I think there's definitely some some challenges there but when it happens it's just going to be i think it's going to be huge absolutely no i totally agree with you and i'm still like not certain that
1: that will even be possible on Ethereum, like that might have to exist on another chain, whether it's like its own Cosmos chain or if it ends up being developed on Flow or uh, somewhere else.
0: Interesting. Why Why do you say that?
1: Um, I think that it, it depends on like the type of transactions that we want. And uh, it's going to be hard un- unless like ETH2 gives us the, and shards and uh, these L2 options give us the like scaling potential that we need. Um you know, it might be harder to, to just to onboard uh, that many people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense.
0: Cool. What about, let's chat about like any upcoming tokens, right? That, that haven't happened yet, whether it's um, gods or the immutable X token or um, the yield guild token, anything that, that you're particularly keen on Anything that you're going to kind of ape into on the first day? (laughs) Um,
1: It's a good question. I think uh, Gods Unchained, I'm I'm interested to hear more. Um, I was initially a little confused, honestly, why they're issuing a token and not just have the immutable X token be like kind of the governance of the ecosystem. But I guess they kind of just want to separate both those networks, which is totally fine. Um, I think Upshot is interesting in the terms of like we haven't seen anything like it, it's a NFT appraisal protocol. Um, And I think that that like kind of makes sense in terms of there needs to be price discovery, but um, maybe a marketplace is good enough for that. We'll see. So I think that'll be something interesting to watch. Um, And then uh, honestly, I think that we could get some, some tokens from a lot of these NFT marketplaces. And so that would be interesting from the perspective of you can start to place bets on whether you think that certain niches will continue to be successful or um, or bet on like the type of generalized protocol that you think will be successful. Because if you look at something like Rarible, it uses ERC-1155 uh, as it's like uh, minting NFT uh, protocol versus uh, something like Zora has its own like wrapper that they call ZNFTs, which have been used to uh, build new types of applications like mirror, uh, and catalog. And so I think that the composable nature of, of, uh, the differentiation and composability will be interesting to watch as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I can, I can hear your excitement about the, the marketplaces. Yeah. I think, uh, I need to do a little bit more digging. Yeah. I mean, marketplaces are just such a no brainer business model
1: that, that they're like, they will succeed. Uh, and it will be like a very, very power law uh, distribution dynamic where you have one that will be immensely successful, and maybe that's OpenSea. Maybe they're like too far ahead. Um, but on the off chance that it's not, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for, for the newer entrants.
0: And and you basically just uh, you think it's a massive opportunity just because it's a model that's proven itself times and times again in, in the in the real non crypto space. So it's kind of very easy to see how that translates to to the crypto space. Yeah,
1: I think it's easy to see how that translates. I also think if you look at um, what a lot of these marketplaces offer is actually like issuance. And so they say, hey, like we can issue your token. Um, Like NFT liquidity is also going to be a little different than I would say uh, maybe like Uniswap liquidity in the sense of like NFTs are harder to uh, they're just they're less liquid assets so that like, the nft liquidity could actually be stickier on marketplaces than on like a traditional DEX per se so i think that that's like another potential advantage they could have um and then i think that just the the design space for what can be an nft is so large that uh it it's going to be a a large opportunity uh with a lot of segmentation
0: yeah no that that totally makes sense i think it'll be interesting to see if marketplaces like if they start to branch out right into like social network space for example or they start integrating some of the uh dex utility swaps or or, or whatnot um i think that's kind of probably all of that is going to happen um at some point and it's just like i think it'll be fascinating to see how how that all develops like you said like the the amount of white spaces is, is just Infinite, pretty much.
1: Absolutely. How about you guys? What tokens or uh, uh, yet to launch tokens are you most excited about?
0: Paul, well, I'll, I'll I'll let you take that one.
2: Uh, yeah, it's got to be the YGG token for me. It's quite quite straightforward. Um, those guys are just stacking SLP at the moment. They've got like. If you're bullish on Axie, Axie is only one part of what Yield Guild offer. You know, when they've got like Illuvium Guilds up and running, um, they're they're working with like Rev, and uh, I don't know. I guess they have Gods Unchained stuff going on as well. Like when you can offer that kind of capability across a number of different like projects, that's going to be absolutely huge. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to get in. I, I think the fact that they've worked with Delphi digital has really helped them as well um they've got some really detailed ideas about like how the token will work how they'll distribute it how they can use it to incentivize like, people working their way up through yield guild itself or um in in different like games uh, and incentivizing people to to get started that way i am a bit disappointed the way that the sale's taking place like it's uh it's going to sort of fall between a certain price range basically it's, it's launched on SushiSwap um using the miso platform but that's just because i'm salty because i wanted to get in early because i've been <laughs> bullish on your guild for a while um but yeah i'll be aping into that to begin with and any drop in price i will be ready and waiting to pick up more tokens because yeah i'm super excited about that
0: yeah i'd say I I would I'd share that sentiment. We've uh, obviously been been talking quite a bit about um Yield Guild. We've uh, also been talking to them about a few things metaverse related. Um really have uh a lot of sort of respect and and confidence in in the team and yeah, like Paul said, I think they're they're bringing in like 1 million SLP which is like 160 grand every day or two now. Um and that's that's just one game. Um, I think they own a lot of land in a lot of virtual worlds. Um, I think they own a lot of gaming assets that can be made productive. I think they also, like the the white paper is, or I think it's the, the light paper, not the white paper, not sure. Anyway, that's uh, really interesting in terms of how, How much impact they're going to have on governance within individual games right and how that's going to be done uh by the community right not the core team and different staking mechanisms like for example if you have a ygg token right and and you want to stake it to specifically to what they call vaults right you can stake it like specifically to an Axie vault right and you'll just share in uh some of the revenue from axie infinity game right and that's it you can share it to you can stake it to different vaults and get exposure to different parts of the portfolio uh yeah it's just fascinating i think they're just gonna own a lot of really good kind of real estate and productive in-game assets and they will build a community to monetize those and uh yeah it's a combination of like it's a it's a metaverse read right but also like a it's a um they call it like a job agency for the metaverse right where they they bring in a lot of users to these games right in 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 the form of guilds so yeah we are i think we're both really excited about that one um i'm i'm not as upset about the the token launch process but um yeah, I'm. I'm sure. Uh, he's going to keep buying no matter what. He's just. Uh, he's just saying it.
2: I mean, I even put capital in my name, and people still don't invite me to be a seed investor. So I'm not really sure what else I need to do at this point. Um, but yeah, it's just disappointing. Uh, Mason, uh, hopefully we've we've sold you on the YGG token. There, um, I don't know what you what you had to say after that. Uh, yeah,
1: I think it's uh, an interesting project. Um, it's almost uh, kind of like in summary, uh like a yield aggregator for you know NFTs, uh, or at least rather productive NFTs. So I think it's going to be like a really interesting ecosystem, and the potential market for productive NFTs is really large. And I think it's it's really untapped at the moment, just because um, you know to to get to the point where you can have like a productive asset first the game or the ecosystem first has to kind of take off initially. And so there's only like a handful of projects that you could even like put in that category right now, but I think it's going to grow uh, quite rapidly over the next 12 months.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think we're starting to see like this, this ramp up in player numbers and uh, like marketplace fees, breeding fees for Axie. And and like we said, that's just one game. Um, And as that starts to expand, and the narrative, really, like the underlying narrative of play to earn, I think that's going to spread like wildfire. Like we, we don't really see um, big uh, like um, big portions of the community from Africa or India yet. It's mainly focused at the moment for Axie anyway, like Philippines, South America. So as as that story starts to spread, like this this could really really take off. So um, yeah, Yield guild is, is positioned really well to sort of capture that. I did want to move quickly on to like the lighter side of the NFT space quickly. Um, sorry to derail all of your talk about finances and uh, the numbers, but so something I'm seeing at the moment, and it's it's reminding me a little bit of DeFi Summer where we got a load of projects that will come up that are very similar. So we've had um, obviously the OGs back in the day, CryptoPunks, but then we got me bits and we got bored apes and we got wicked craniums and we are on to cyber kongs i think we are on there don't forget yetis yeah uh, cool cats as well like i I can barely keep up so i just i see that you haven't changed your profile picture yet mason it's still uh, a lovely picture of you looking very formal and and happy um and i just wondered if you like how do you see these projects because they are pretty much just carbon copies of each other and it's a tried and tested format is it just gonna die off eventually or is the like proliferation of this type of project going to force more interoperability so you can start to use these avatars elsewhere maybe you can create infts out of them and i just wondered how you see it and do you have any like heuristics to try and figure out which of these is going to retain the value and and which are just going to go slowly to zero.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that I call this like the NFT avatar space um, and I think it'll also have like a very strong power law distribution where you have like CryptoPunks that are obviously kind of like a, a, a blue chip of NFTs and then you have a bunch of others that uh, are trying to vie for some sort of community adoption. Um, there's like a number of issues with a lot of these in terms of like a lot of times they're centrally controlled to like a handful of wallets or users. You know the distribution isn't always fair, um, but uh, I think that uh, overall, like people are going to want some sort of digital identity, and an avatar makes sense. Uh, that said, I think a lot of the current ones that exist will uh, not appreciate well unless they get some overall broader adoption.
2: Right. Okay. I'll um, yeah, I'll stick to my own profile picture for now. Then, just <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. I think. Um, We've covered a lot in almost an hour and a half, uh, given that the metaverse is quite a big space. So yeah, we've done a good job. Um, Really appreciate you coming on today, Mason, and and sharing your thoughts with us. And uh, I think we'll wrap it up there unless you've got anything else to add. No, thank you guys uh, for having me. Looking forward to chatting again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Mason. I just got a ping from YGG
0: and they're saying they're considering a marketplace just to get you you on board. Love it. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And uh, talk to you guys later. Bye.